0: Hey fabulous listeners! If you've been enjoying Lee2B, it would mean so much for me if you'd share the love and leave a rating wherever you get your podcast. Your feedback keeps us going and growing. Thanks so much! Hope you enjoy the episode. Hey B2B enthusiasts! Welcome back to another episode of Lee2B, the sassiest podcast for B2B. I'm your host, Lee Moskowitz. Get ready to dive into the realm of wisdom, laughter, and a touch of glitter with today's guest. I'm thrilled to announce Autumn Wade, the brains behind Coaches and Dragons, a place where self-discovery meets downright fun. With over two decades in the IT and operations trenches, Autumn's seen it all, the good, the gross, and everything in between, from corporate disappointments to going to bed proud every single day... Autumn's mastered the art of transforming challenges into victories. Welcome back to another episode of Lee2B. Hey, Autumn. Hello. Hello, hello. Your background's so colorful.
1: Oh, I know. This was um, an accidental paint job pre-pandemic where I thought it was one yellow and it ended up a brighter yellow, and then it became my pandemic office, and now I feel like I'm really happy it's super bright.
0: Is it canary <laughs> yellow?
1: Um, I, you know what? I don't remember the name of it. I think, I don't know. I need to go and find the name of it. But I think it was either something bird-like or something flower-like.
0: Because Canary Yellow is big in, like, designers use it. I've used it. I'm actually, like, quasi-colorblind. Like, I can see colors. I just have hard times differentiating sometimes. Mm. Like, you know those tests? Like, sometimes with the green and reds, like, I don't see all the numbers.
1: Oh, well that's in, like so what is that like to have it be sometimes because i imagine like with with there being a lot of accessibility discussions around design like i haven't he- i didn't know that there was kind of a spectrum with color blindness.
0: yeah so like i see color it's just like sometimes i can't identify like i just don't see it as clearly as, as i guess somebody else would i'll be like maybe that's blue when it's actually like purple or something Ooh. um Yeah, but like, honestly, in terms of design, that's why I just use hex codes. One, it's easier because then everyone has it, but uh, Mm -hmm. I speak in hex (laughs) codes.
1: I have my hex codes for my brand stuff memorized. And my husband didn't realize one time and he came in and watched me mess around and was seeing me type in these codes. And he thought I was some kind of hex code savant, which I am not um but I did you should have just you should
0: have just had him like believe you're like a, a genius
1: I know and like what you don't speak hex code come on yeah <laughs> too
0: little too late <laughs> uh, yeah so before we get into coaches and dragons let's talk about your two decade plus right C- career mm-hmm. in IT and you you worked your way up uh, especially at S P. you were there for yeah. quite a while
1: Yeah, I was there for a long time. So I started, um, I got my degree in German and in math, and then immediately went to answer phones for an insurance company. So (laughs) as you do, and it was one of those things where I ended up lucking out because I had a boss's boss who had been working for days on data in an Excel sheet and was struggling. And she was just kind of in the break room complaining about it. And I was like, I think maybe I can do something with that. And she sent it to me. And I did that in like 15 minutes, I googled something, it's where I learned about the lookups in Excel. And all of a sudden, that turned me into like getting opportunities to participate in projects, become a reporting person, give me more opportunities. So it just became this thing of like, don't be afraid to Google, yes, and wherever you can. And it just kept happening. <laughs> and so from there did agile coaching work, worked for a small software development company where I was doing business analysis work and I was able to move into a manager position. Um and when it's a small company you get to do a little bit of everything. So I was very quickly on the senior leadership team and got to learn a lot about how things work, how things don't work, and then went to A little bit bigger company had about 3,000 people, which then got bought out by (laughs) S&P. So I accidentally ended up working. I went from 3,000 to a 30,000 person company. Um, But throughout IT operations, leadership, a lot of it is focused on project execution and bringing teams together to deliver on things. So it was a lot of fun and I got to work on a lot of cool stuff.
0: So, like, IT project management mm-hmm. is. Does this mean you are? Because I'm thinking of the IT crowd. Like, does this mean? You, like, are you super like technical with that stuff too? And then you just started managing people, or were you? And this could be a both. Or were you like, you know, how to manage the shit? Like, you're in the role.
1: I know how to manage the shit. So basically, I have more knowledge than your average person in IT. So enough to be a little bit dangerous but not enough to give me admin rights to any systems in the back end. But most of my time at the smaller company, um we did soft um scientific, technical and medical publishing tools, so we would post journals online. And so with that it was a lot more software development stuff. So I would learn like When somebody says, hey, can we make it so that this is a different color? It's not always as simple as you think it is. So that's where I learned how the simplest of requests actually can be really complex on the back end. And then when I went to the next company, it was all the back end, not sexy IT stuff. So we're talking networking, servers, email stuff. So if we did our job well, nobody knew we existed. They only Mm -hmm. knew about us if we fucked up. (laughs) So it was definitely this like okay we're gonna have to take the network down and do all this and hopefully nobody knows it Mm -hmm. (laughs) to make a change. But it really just came down to for me my skill set of bringing people together, bringing people together, communicating, and being able to handle like difficult conversations, being real, right? So leaders knew that if something wasn't going very well, I was gonna say hey. This isn't happening on time. This is what's going on. And this is what we can do about it. Whereas I think a lot of other people at the time, you know, you just kind of bullshit your way through because you don't want to get in trouble from leaders.
0: Yeah. Why? Why is that? Is it because people will actually get in trouble or they're afraid they'll get in trouble?
1: Both. I mean, it really depends so much on the culture. It's um, I think there are some people who learn that if I go in and report a project as red, or if I go and say something's behind the way that managers or leaders are going to come back at me is going to be in a way that I would rather avoid. Mm -hmm. So it might be something where if so, ideally, if you went and said, "Hey, this project's falling behind." You're going to have leaders that are going to say, "Lee, how can I help you? What can I do? What support do you need?" Right. Right? But if instead you're saying, "Hey, this project's falling behind." They're like, "What have you done? Like why didn't you have why didn't you tell us?" You know, it becomes very accusatory. It feels like a punishment. People are not interested in that. So they start lying to avoid it.
0: Yeah. It's a demotivator too, like 100%.
1: A hundred percent. And so that was, you know, as a leader, when I was leading these teams of these people who were doing these really big IT projects that spanned multiple years, had millions and millions of dollars behind it, our big rule was we are not going to bullshit. We're always going to be real, even if it's a thing they don't want to hear. So we might come and say, hey, this not ideal situation is happening, but here's what our options are. And so it makes it so much easier if I come to you sooner and say we have a problem than if I avoid it until there's nothing you can do about it. And so it was really this culture of trust and honesty. It takes it, it takes having that support. I was lucky in that I had some managers at the time where if anybody tried to give me shit for being honest, they were going to have my back. Mm-hmm. So it, they allowed me to do it. Whereas there were other groups that were not in that situation. They were not gonna have that support. And their projects yeah. didn't work out.
0: <laughs> I I think that kind of goes to the difference between a, a leader and a manager. And mm-hmm. obviously not not just meaning the manager title, but a leader and a manager. The manager is the person who's task oriented. Uh we're just doing this stuff. The leader is the one who's part of that change.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. It's for us, it's kind of like me as a leader, I think about like, we're in this together, right? Your success is my success is our success. Your failure is my failure is our failure. And so I'm very much kind of I think of it as a leader behind like, I'm here to support you. But like, I'm going to make sure that the light shines on you when we want it to. And if something not so great happens, you know that I'm going to be the one standing in front, taking the hits if I need to. So it's like, it creates that safe space for people to be able to go and take risks and be honest with me, because if they can trust me and they can be honest with me, then I can help us get done what we need to get done.
0: Now, when I think of like project management, I th- and I get I'm, I'm a marketer, so I- but I think of the Asanas, the Trello's, the Monday.com, mm-hmm. the the organizing different accounts, tasks. But I imagine yours is very different. Maybe it's portfolio man. Like, what? What Ooh. are you? What does it mean? What? What did you do?
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it's it is very similar to what you were talking about. I mean, it's all, all at the end of the day, it's what do people want to get done? Let's make sure that we have clarity on what the outcome is. Let's find who the people are, bring them together, and then figure out how we're going to get it done, and then keep us on track. Like, and so. There are so many different project managers that do it so many different ways. And so for me, I always want for the project manager to do it, however, it's going to work best for them, knowing that you have to be able to answer questions. So there are some people who work in Asana. I love Asana. That's what I use. There are people who work in Excel. There are people who work in this tool called Smartsheet. Oh my gosh. I have this one project manager who the magic that he could do in this tool called Smartsheet blew my mind. <laughs> but so it's, I'm getting I'm getting like yeah.
0: PTSD cuz SmartSheet was one of the one of my early jobs they had us use SmartSheet um mm-hmm. for like the project management um and then also for like billing. Uh, oh. <laughs> this is yeah. before we had like a real like track I mean it was a shit show, but like I was, yeah. I was just a PTSD.
1: Yeah. I mean, it is like one of the most infuriating things you can ever be asked to do is time tracking. Like it basically our quest was what can we do to make the case for why we don't need to do time tracking? Because <laughs> it was, it's the worst for doing that stuff and for building. But yeah, it's we, we really would just bring teams together and solve problems. So it's, a lot of it is team building. And I think that people don't always know that because a lot of times people see project managers as the ones doing the communications, right? Um, and usually the ones that are having to go and like deliver the good news or bad news. But the reality is like, you have to know who are the people involved? What are their skill set? What support do they need? Have the pieces together. So it's kind of like an event coordinator, right? You've got to know all these pieces and then support. And then ultimately, you're that you're that person there to help be a megaphone and get this team what they need.
0: Mm-hmm. So yeah. then after you managed all the IT, you, you project managed all of it. Yeah. everything was done being managed. So, so you yeah. left obviously that didn't happen but uh <laughs> what what was what was your leaving like was it like did you have an aha moment that really sparked your decision oh, or when was I... it like a gradual when you went out on your own
1: oh oh <laughs> let me tell you it was like a whole like a horrible like newsworthy forest fire <laughs> oh yeah so um, I had moved around in different roles and I had taken a risk to go into a completely different type of role for myself to challenge myself. This was exciting. It was going to stretch my strengths. I was really pumped about it and I ended up in an incredibly toxic work environment with an abusive boss and I didn't know it at the time. And so, I was this person who like I never would have thought that I would have been subjected to that. I would have thought that I would have caught it immediately and been like, nope, I'm out. Like there were so many times when I went to my boss and said, hey, I want you to know that I'm going to start looking for another job. Like when I'm done, I'm done. I'm transparent. And then I start moving on. So I don't, I'm not afraid to walk away, but this one, I, I never occurred to me that somebody could get me like that. This person, it was very much like being in an abusive relationship where you're constantly vigilant of what you say, of what you do, because at any point, you can do something really amazing or something really horrible. And in both cases, you're going to get your ass handed to you. Stop
0: gaslighting women, people.
1: Stop. Well, women, there were men. I mean, it became a protective thing. We were all looking out for each other. and But at the moment, you don't realize what it's happening because it's all by these little paper cuts. And it's done in such a way that if you go and tell anybody about it, it just sounds like, oh, my manager's making me do things and like, oh, I don't like my job and I don't like working hard. Like that's how it, that was the trickiness of it is that to go and talk about it just sounded like you didn't want to do your job. Yeah. But the thing is the whole system, the whole culture of it was just unbearable, unbearable. I took a demotion to get out of it. That yeah. was, I had to get out of it because my company didn't help me. I had to get myself out of it. So I took a demotion. I was a senior director. I took a demotion. I lost my long-term incentives. Like I walked away from stuff to get out of the situation. Um, And then I learned a lot about like the impact. That's when I started to process the trauma that was going on. Like I would have my new boss who was incredibly wonderful and supportive go to ask me a question and I would go straight into a panic attack for a simple question. Yeah. And, and I kept trying to like, find my way through it. And I started going to therapy. And I think with it, it was like, I ended up learning like, this place is not healthy, because I kind of, because my abuser was still there. They were still working there, I still would have meetings where we would be there together, the people who enabled it. So afterwards, when we started talking about it, The majority of leaders that I would talk to, they were like, oh, yeah, we know all about it, about this person. Like they've got it was a known problem, but nobody did anything. That's just the way it was. Right. And so it was like I had been in a long term relationship. We split up, but we still lived in the same apartment building. Yeah. Right. And I'm like, I'm not trying to see you in the elevator today. (laughs) It just wasn't healthy. And Mm
0: -hmm.
1: I found coaching. Yeah. And I saw what it could be like for me, and at some point I was just like, "Fuck this! Like this is not healthy for me." And I got out. I just decided I was done. So and it was like, a we, have fire. Yeah. So like a we have forest,
0: coaching and dragons. Yeah, it's yeah. like a force. it's like a force fire that was started from one of those um, baby announcement gender reveal parties. That's what it is. Yes.
1: Like. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs>
0: Um, but then then we got to coaching and dragons, right?
1: Yeah, coaches and dragons. So
0: coaches and dragons.
1: Yeah, yeah, we got to coaches Tell and us. dragons, and that was like such a cows for me being brave enough to quit and go on my own. So, um, I do coaches and dragons with a partner, Jared Turner. Um, and Jared reached out to me. I met them through my coaching pro- progress, and they were like, "Hey, um, I want to do a gender inclusion workshop, and I would love to do this with you." Um, and so I'm like, let's go, let's do it. We had such a good time putting it on together and educating people around gender and inclusion in the workspace and in just regular life. Um, and they were like, what's next? And we were, and we, I was like, I have this idea. Like, what if we like D and Dified coaching? And they were like, let me show you this thing I put together. And we both just geeked out for three hours. And then I was like, okay, works officially in the way. <laughs> that's it i'm t- i've got to turn in my notice we got to do this <laughs> so, so here it is yeah
0: so all of my knowledge about dungeons and dragon dragons comes from the community episode the freaks and geeks episode and then some stranger things um Perfect. but so i don't know i so i have a general feel of it but i don't know a lot of it so walk walk us through how um like give us, maybe I mean, a quick explanation of D and D for people who aren't familiar, and then walk us through how you apply that in your coaching. Yeah,
1: so the way I think about D and D or any tabletop role playing game is essentially you mentioned community. So let's say, like, who's your favorite character in Community?
0: Oh, I feel like it, it varies. I'm gonna just go with uh, Donald Glover's character,
1: Donald Troy. Glover's, and so what is Troy? Right? Yeah. So let's say that you were going to play the character of Troy and you've got these other people who are playing each one of the other characters and you're all sitting around at the table. And then you've got a storyteller and they're walking you through an episode, maybe an episode that they make up like improv. It's like, okay, the community team and they are at Disney, you know, like this is the place. And so each one of you, you're embodying your character and it's kind of like okay, you're at Disney, you get something and there's a super long line. What do you do?
0: But it's it's not like improv because at least in whose line is it anyway? Everything's made up and the points don't matter, but in D&D the points do matter though.
1: The points can matter. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> but it can like it's all about that you're embodying a character and then you're just playing with what's there. So when you know that character well enough, you can say, "Okay, if the line's really long, what is Troy going to do?" Mhm. So what do you think Troy would do if the line was really long to get in?
0: Oh, I I have no idea. But yeah, okay. <laughs> but, but like essentially, no, we're, uh, yeah, yeah, no. I, so I'm also yeah. the type of person where when somebody starts explaining any type of complex board yes. game and, and complex is subjective, yeah. I understand. But whenever somebody like, does that, I just start zoning out. Like I can't okay. do it. If well, I could a- tell you the amount of times my brother has tried to teach me Stylers of Catan, like... I'm just like, I yeah, can't do Yeah, those
1: things are tough. I mean, so with <laughs> D&D, it's, it really is like you embody a character. Somebody says, here's a setting. And then here's a situation. What are you going to do? And then you as that character and with the other people that you're playing, decide what you're going to do. Like it's, it's that. And so it's very much like choose your own adventure books, right? You're deciding as a group, what are you going to do? And your dungeon master is going to like throw different things out, and so in and that's in, the person in,
0: leading like the story yeah, and everything, right? Okay. Exactly,
1: exactly. So that's just kind of like whoever's there, they kind of have an idea of what you might walk through, but you can totally surprise them. They don't know what you're going to say or what you're going to do, right? Um, and then you have a dice, right? So d twenty is, yeah. is what people talk about a lot, and so it's a twenty sided die. And so quite often, what happens is you say, like if you say. I'm going to unlock this door. I'm going to try to pick this lock. It doesn't just work. You have to roll for it. And so right. when you roll for it, that determines how successful you were or not. Like you
0: need like a five or higher to open the door or something, Dep- right?
1: It depends, yeah. And so, and the DM will often know like what role do they need to get past it? And so it's this, it's this beautiful thing where you have a character that you get to know. There's a scenario that you're playing in. You're with a group of people and together you're just solving problems solving challenges together. um, And there's just like, you can come up with the best plan in the world and then roll a one, which is a critical failure, Mm -hmm. and then have to figure out another thing. And so that's like, that's essentially D&D.
0: So let's talk coaching and how you how you use it. A, yes. lot role playing, a lot of role-playing a so lot of role-playing how do you use it? a
1: lot of role-playing and that's for coaches and dragons we talk about how it brings role play to the role you play in your life so you know we have to jared loves puns um <laughs> so we have to bring in those puns but it's we love bringing coaching and personal development to people who maybe have never experienced coaching don't know what it is maybe they know about it but they don't think it's for them um There's a lot of gatekeeping around personal development in the workplace, right? You've seen it like in companies who gets access to the, to paid coaches, who gets to go into certain leadership programs, who gets the time to go to conferences. There's so much gatekeeping and so much of it. We know it's not inclusive and it's based on who you know, Mm -hmm. and it's designed for people who love the status quo right? That's where you're going to have your coaches that are going to be in their blazers and they're standing back to back. and Like, you know, it's all, they look like your executives and your leaders and it's not fun. It's not engaging. It doesn't stick. It doesn't feel like it's for everyone. It's for a select group of people, you know? And- so for us, we want to, like, we believe everybody deserves to be able to learn these things about themselves and grow themselves and have tools that help them achieve whatever they want to without feeling like they're beholden on these other massive groups of people that are not taking care of them. So we love gamers. And so that's like, how literal are this.
0: you playing D&D? Like, how so, literal are you? No.
1: It's not like we're okay. not even playing D&D with it. Essentially what we do is we take coaching concepts and we put the D&D layer on it. So we take the framework, we take terminology. So if I go to, if I go to somebody who loves playing role playing games and I'm like, hey, so do you want to work on your values? They might be like, no. But if I say, <laughs> hey, do you want to go build your character sheet? They might be like, yes, absolutely. They, it, it becomes a playful thing. It becomes something exciting to do right? If I say, Hey, how do you handle failure? And they're kind of like, I don't handle not really. I'm like, Hey, what do you do when you roll a natural one? Oh, when I roll a natural one, this is like, all of a sudden, they come alive. And it's like, I know what to do in that space.
0: That's awesome.
1: Yeah. So it's, it's just a way of opening up the things that are possible for people when they're role playing. We can bring that in and use that same terminology so that they can be open to that with themselves as well because they're already doing it Mm -hmm. it's just let's turn it around so you use it on you and it's 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 like freaking magic
0: (laughs) it's like gamifying self self something self-worth personal development it's it's gamifying that
1: exactly it's it's taking the space because when you go in and play games you're willing to take on this other persona right? Like I have the character I'm playing right now is if John wick met Melissa McCarthy, they had a baby. And then that baby grew up to be a professional wrestler. Like that's the character (laughs) essentially that I'm playing right now. Her name is Z when I embody her, like she is confidence, like Beyonce walking in, you can't tell her anything. Um, and she will go and fight in a heartbeat and, but she loves it. It's playful. It's fun. And so I always think like she's going to be totally different than Autumn's going to be, but I can embody that and I can handle her failure and I can handle her, her growth and I can handle her messiness. So like, if I can do that with her, why can't I do that with me?
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's also like people are easier on other people than they are themselves Mm-hmm. like you will say something bad about yourself but then if your friend says that you're like shut up what are you talking about you're amazing yeah. so it's almost mm-hmm. easier if you kind of not disassociate because that's not what you're doing but kind of mm-hmm. yeah viewing a different treating yourself as a character like i'm yes. a character lead of on this podcast you know it's like treating yourself <laughs> differently
1: yeah it is. Like it's fun. I mean, if we go in back into community land, right? It's like if you're having a hard time with something, it's like, okay, if I were to tap into Troy, what would he do here? If I were to mm-hmm. if this were the like if I were having Troy and Abed on this podcast, what would we do? Right. It's, you know, you can tap into them. It's like a different set of glasses. Like, what am I seeing? How can I look at this? It's just perspective shifting. Um, but in a way that feels playful. Cause when it's playful, it sticks. When it's playful, you want to do it.
0: hmm So when, so coaching in general, like there's a lot of serious stuff, especially when it comes to growth. How do you balance that, that fun, you know, jovial energy with some of the the serious hard stuff?
1: Yeah. Um, Oh, that's such a like that's a difficult question. I know, I'm going to figure the answer out because it's one of those things that throughout my entire career, that's been this feedback is, you know, I take my work seriously, but I'm not always serious when I'm doing it. Like it can be playful. And I knew it was one of those things that always differentiated me, especially in IT, right? This way of bringing play. And so I'm trying to think like, it, there's this amazing quote I heard from Amber Sturm one time, and I don't remember where it came from, but it's this, your obvious is your art. So what's obvious to you, you don't always, you don't know, but that's what's like magical. And so I think as a coach, when it comes to being serious and being playful, it's this know when it's time to be playful (laughs) and know when it's not right. So when we bring in the play and the jovialness, it's, it's like, if you're there with your best friend, you know, when, if you're having a conversation about something, there are times when you're going to be pretty firm and be like, absolutely not. Lee, you are not going to talk to yourself that way, you know, and it's like, we're going to be serious or uh, you're going to allow somebody to be in their emotions. It's so important to feel into things. We do that a lot with coaching sometimes is this, as humans, we'll often go to avoid the hard things. And so it's like, okay, let's not avoid, let's go and let's be in it. Let's experience it if they're comfortable, like consensually, like go in and be in it. And so then when they come out of it, that's where there might be some playfulness and some, like it's kind of, you know, when come out of it, it's like, all right, what would you want to do to lock this in? Right. Or what's a name we can give it. So some like naming things is so freaking powerful. Mm -hmm. If you've got like this ugly saboteur, this voice in my head, that's kind of like, Oh, autumn, you're going to go on Lee to be, and you're going to be the most boring (laughs) guest he's ever had. Right. Like, we all have these voices that show up, right? Yeah. That can make us feel, and it feels really serious. But I can give them a really funny name. Because then all of a sudden, it's kind of like, I can just call, let's see, what would I call that one? Um, let's just call her like Mean Girl, right? So if it's like, oh, Autumn, you're going to go on Lee's podcast, and you're going to have like, you're going to be the most boring guest. He's going to comment like, boo. You know, he's going to be like, Autumn, I'm taking your episode. Down. I'm like, Mean Girl? That
0: sounds like me, yeah.
1: but it's like but in that moment that's where that fun can come in Is I can be like that's mean girl so it can be a bit more playful like it's a very serious thing that's happening but I can be more playful I'm like that's mean girl and what do we say to mean girl we're like no absolutely not Regina George you need to go have this like car bar and get out of my way and I can do something about it I can be playful about how I shut that down and so when it's playful it helps to start to kind of like it's you're more it's gonna take it on it's not as scary of a thing if i call this like mean girl or regina george
0: but to me it's like we're we're getting almost to like therapy or like cognitive behavioral therapy like where do you where do you draw the line like how do you what's coaching versus yeah therapy? <laughs>
1: it is coaching can feel very therapeutic sometimes but it is very different so often when I think about therapy, I think about it in terms of like it's it's very much it's clinical. These are people who are like these are trained licensed licensed medical professionals. Um they are often looking to diagnose. Um and they are do a lot of times looking more in the past. How was that? We're coaching We are not so much looking at this from, hey, there's something wrong with you, right? We don't. It's kind of like, hey, exactly where you are now is exactly where you need to be. And how do we build on that for where you want to go? There is no gap. There is nothing to fix. So we're going to be a lot more present and future focused rather than focused on fixing and diagnosing and looking backwards. We still deal with really difficult topics. We deal with things like this saboteurs, this imposter syndrome stuff that can come up. We will not, we will be fearless with you to make sure that you learn from the difficult emotions that are coming into place. If you consent to it, it will feel therapeutic sometimes, but it 100% is not therapy. And, and every coach who's, we have a code of ethics that we abide by. And we, if we ever feel like, you know what, I I think that this thing right here, maybe you would want to have a conversation with a therapist or consider a therapy, right? So we might help a person be able to, you know, connect the dots and and go and seek that help that they need. But we will never take the place of a therapist in that way.
0: Well, this episode of Lead to Be is sponsored by BetterHelp. Uh, I'm just kidding. I wish they sponsor everything. They might as well sponsor my podcast. (laughs)
1: absolutely yes yeah, sponsor lee
0: they're like you know mud water how like they used to be like every youtube ad like mud water yes. like that's what BetterHelp is at this point like yeah they're a great service but like that's their ads are everywhere sponsor me BetterHelp. help um yeah.
1: and and me undies i feel like me undies is on everything that i listen to seems to be sponsored by me undies <laughs>
0: Well, it's time for our next segment, Spill the Tea with Lee. That's right. This is the segment where we spill the tea on all things B2B. This is the sassiest podcast for B2B, and it's going to get juicy. All right, Autumn, I know you've been waiting for this because uh, you're an avid listener. But yes. so you, in, your, in your bio, you say you've seen both the beautiful parts mm-hmm. and the smelly, gross parts of corporate life. Yeah. So when I say smelly, gross parts of corporate life, What's the very first thing or example you think of?
1: Oh, okay. The smelly gross parts are the first thing that comes to mind is the, I'm going to say this out loud on recording, but it's the leaders are not saying what's really going on. It's, it's this, I put in my bio, like, I am an ex-corporate apologist I was that person who trusted like if leaders knew that something really bad was going on, they would step in, they would do this thing. I was constantly giving them the benefit of the doubt. Lee, no, 100% (laughs) not like that. It's it's all they are not people first. They are business first. They are (laughs) they are board first. They are investor first. They are money first. And yeah, it's it's it all comes down to it benefits the company. If you feel like working there is personal. Because then you're going to compare them against your family and your other personal things, and they pay you a check. So they're pro- if you're comparing family to family, family that pays versus family that doesn't pay, right? And then, so you're all bought in. You're willing to do the extra work. You're willing to do the extra things for them. It benefits them for you to feel like, oh, my company is the best and they love me so much yeah but i mean i'm sorry lee like you're sitting here like look at all the constant people like layoff posts that are happening Mm -hmm. it is not people first it is business first yeah yeah it's business first
0: well a more lighthearted question uh so you have you'll, you'll tell me the exact line but you say like you you add glitter to every interaction or something like that what's your what's your line about glitter
1: oh gosh I feel like you said it better in my intro to be honest um (laughs) no I mean I think it's like my own dash of glitter into into things yeah
0: so what is a what's you don't have to go into details but what's like a moment or story where you added that glitter and it really made that difference either in your life somebody else's life like an example like some sparkle
1: I think that sparkle, it's that ability to just find the laugh and find the appreciation and things. So I am, I really am able to see the value in everybody. I would love to hate my abuser and I can't. It's not, it's like, instead I feel like pity and sorry. Mm-hmm. And, you know, but it's that thing of kind of like. That sparkle is, let's come up with a different way to look at this, right? Or like, I know that you've got these people. So it's this play, It the sparkle really is the play. It's the playfulness. It's that, how would you want to do this, Lee? Right? If you could do, and it's that push to say, like, I want the, the sparkle is like having you do exactly what it is that you're feeling, but we're worried about doing.
0: Love that. This is a T one. And I'm going to be honest here. Cause there is this sentiment on LinkedIn where like coaches are the most annoying people (laughs) Where like spray and pray. They spray and pray. We get all these messages. Um, And I'm like, one, like, I don't even know what you're offering me to coach. Like, are you life insurance? Are you spiritual? Are you like, like like basketball? Like so many times I'm like, I don't know what they're, they're coaching. Mm -hmm. Uh, Two. It's like, they charge like a billion dollars for like vague services, so yeah, so people have got annoyed at at the mm-hmm. coaches, and it's the it's the same thing where it's like the annoying salespeople yep. have made sales outreach be considered spam a lot of the times. How do you? I mean, mm-hmm. what do you what do you say to that? What's your general yeah. thoughts with those, I those mean, coaches?
1: Is you're a hundred percent you're a hundred percent right, and it's it's very upsetting. For, in fact, I feel my like. I know that this is generally audio only. You might be like, this is very upsetting for me. Not what you said, but the reality of it. I talked before about with Coaches in Dragons house, there's gatekeeping in this. Like there is gatekeeping in personal development. For me, for Jared, there's so many coaches out there. You had Tara on this. Like Tara is a great example. There's so many people out there who are trying to advocate and do the work to make this coaching accessible to people. For, I have people that can't afford to pay. I have somebody who was a student who just got out of college and they couldn't afford to pay and they pay me like $50 a month. Whereas normally I charge 2000 for four months. Mm-hmm. It's like the pricing of this, it, it all depends on where the coach is trying to get it. Like people have to make a living too. And I understand that. Right. And I think that at the same time, we all have our choices to make. I am passionate about bringing coaching to people who have never experienced coaching before. Don't know what it is. I can never go to somebody who has never experienced coaching before and say, "Hey, Lisa, so you've like never done coaching before? You want to pay me ten thousand dollars to do it?" <laughs> who in their right mind is going to spend ten thousand dollars for something that's, never that's done literally before?
0: what like all these in mails are? That's I, almost what they say. Well,
1: I will tell you, I get it too. I get inundated with so many people wanting to coach me. Like they want a business, like, hey, I see you started this. Let me come be your business coach. It's freaking gross. It's annoying. It's, and it's frustrating when there are these people, I have no tolerance for people using shame in their marketing. Like people negging people to market. I have zero tolerance for that. And you will see it. Sometimes you go to free workshops and then you will see people at the end of it. And they were like, well, Lee, you know, you can either like, you have two choices. You can sign up for this and you can go and have a podcast that's like in the top 10 and be competing for all of your dream people to come on this. Or you can be looking at the at like a year from now not having a podcast at all. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Are you kidding me? Like it's, I've had people say some of, like try to build me up and then say some of the worst stuff at the end to try to use fear. This is a coach. This is somebody who's supposed to partner with you and help you grow and help you realize how freaking amazing you are and they're using fear no like i'm it makes me incredibly angry incredibly angry in fact there's somebody who is absolutely amazing on linkedin her name is natalia sanyal and she teaches anti-oppressive marketing and this is what she goes after is like you can't go at, you can't do this to people. You, and I would say anybody who is a coach who is that way to people is a shitty coach. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I hope that their business doesn't work out very well, right? Because like, you can't do this to people. And it hurts. Every single person deserves to see how amazing they are and be able to advocate for themselves. Every single person. And so every time one of these people goes out and does really shitty things to market it, it makes it that much harder for somebody to be willing to do this amazing work on themselves. Coaching changed my life, changed my life. I was not a person who ever would have invested a thousand, two thousand dollars on coaching at all. I got my company to, sign, to put me through coach training and I got coached and in a 15 minute session. My life, like, I knew in that moment, like things, it, things were never going to be the same for me wow 15 minutes now i like a few months ago i paid six thousand dollars like almost everything that i've made this year i paid six thousand hmm. dollars <laughs> wow. for a coach like that's how i know i know what coaching can do now
0: yeah so then how do, you, like, yeah. Yeah. how do you get clients then how do you if everyone's so jaded around coaches is it inbound is it your personal brand how do you get clients as a coach
1: It's hard. I mean, it's, it's not consistent for me. It's not, I mean, there, there's a, it's a lot of learning. It's, it's a lot of, you know, this from your marketing work. Like I have to do a lot of work in learning who are my dream clients. Who do I love working with? How can I reach them? Where are they? Are they on LinkedIn? Are they in other places? How can I help them? Because for me, if I'm talking to people who maybe have never even heard of coaching before, I need to have, I need to, reach them. I need to help them understand what coaching is. I need to then convince them that they are worth investing in because that's a big hurdle. People will be willing to do it, but they're like, I don't think I can go and ask my partner if I can spend a thousand dollars on this because I don't think I'm worth it. And so they won't even have the conversation, so they won't do it. And then there is a conversation of, okay, well, I'm willing to invest in myself, but should I invest in autumn? I don't know. Right. And then once they get through all that, then you have to convince them to actually push the button and do it. That's so many steps to get people through. And you've already said it. Each one of those comes with like, how many other in mails are they getting from pieces of shit out there that are completely jading them or using fear or all this other stuff? Yeah. Convincing them that they can only get stuff if they're willing to pay $10,000, which is not the case. There are a lot of amazing coaches out there that are not, that are affordable Mm -hmm. and that will work with you and do monthly plans and will find ways to give you the help because they care about this work.
0: Yeah. That's a good myth busted. We we busted a myth here that coaches Mm -hmm. are expensive.
1: Yeah. Well, here's what I would say too. It's like any... Somebody that you trust, like if you're not sure, I'm not everybody's coach, right? And some, not everybody's my kind of client, but I'm connected with a lot of other coaches. I know who good ones are, and I will be more than happy to connect with you. And I would also say too, if you're ever curious, almost every single coach does a no obligations free session. So shop around. Crap, if you want, co- like go find five coaches, set up free sessions with them and just see what it's like it's free you're and then you know if you don't like them then just block them i don't know like <laughs> i mean it's not nice i feel like my coach friends are gonna like them, but yeah i mean it's yeah just try it out
0: yeah so let, let's go back to D D for a bit and again i have limited knowledge but yes. i understand you, you max out different skills right
1: yeah you have different skill sets um you have some like- different skill like stats that you can have um like, there are people who like to min-max things, but it's really just, yeah, you but have But is it like like abilities. stamina,
0: like magic, strength? Like, is that what it is?
1: Kind of, yeah. So there's strength, there's dexterity, there's constitution, um, there's wisdom and intelligence. So, like, somebody like a barbarian is going to have really high strength, but they are likely going to have lower intelligence. Mm-hmm.
0: So, what what are some skills that that my B2B professional should should max out or that you tell some of your, your clients to max out in the real world.
1: Uh, so that's see, this is a trickier one because I feel like I'm, it's going to be a cop out because I'm very much a believer of like, each person has different things that are right for them. Um, and so I really like working with people to find like, what is that thing you want? So it's, I don't think that I would ever say like, this is the one you need to have. Cause it's really like, what is it that you mm-hmm. want to do? Character you're base. Yeah. And so, I mean, for me, like, I guess if, if it was one for, I feel like wisdom, wisdom is probably the thing that will help us all. Right. <laughs> you know, so probably that, that we just have a little bit of wisdom being able to tie in. But even then, like some people may just be fine without it. And that's, cool and beautiful too <laughs> um, but I feel like I cheated on your answer
0: <laughs> no I think wisdom's a good one yeah but like again it based, it's based on the character so yeah so yeah, <laughs> yeah. well Autumn thank you so so much for, for being on before we go I always like to have our guests give the shout out so where can people contact you and what's next for you
1: oh so I'm on LinkedIn um, at Autumn Wade Um, And then we are at coachesanddragons.com. We also just launched our YouTube channel. So basically everywhere it's at coachesanddragons. But yeah, so that's where- What what type of
0: people might want to reach out to you? Like who's your client base?
1: Oh, I mean, I think anybody who is into gaming, anybody who feels like they would self-identify as a nerd or a geek or loves being around nerdy or geeky people. We we work with people who have never played D&D And that's fine like we have people who just love like geeky nerdy things um but for me directly outside of coaches and dragons anybody who's like what the f is coaching (laughs) help me understand if it's for me like i love advocating for coaching and the power that it can have for people without icky sales i will never be an icky salesperson for you so anybody who ever wants to know about it can reach out to me they can dm me on linkedin I will be more than happy to talk to them about it.
0: it. Definitely, definitely follow Autumn on LinkedIn. Her content's great. Reach <laughs> out to her for coaching, maybe. Um, yeah. Autumn, thank you so much for for being here, and thank yeah. you everyone for listening to lee Two B. I will see everyone for another episode next time.